This episode is a mix of how I built this and how to make money making videos with equal parts business strategy, startup story, and best practices for monetizing your videos. The expert is Uscreen founder PJ Tai, who built a video on demand platform that lets you sell your own streaming video content. His story shows the value of creating the right features, proving you can find paying customers, and charging enough for your product. And for aspiring video content creators out there, I think you'll be both inspired and motivated by some of the stories he shares about his customers. The short of it, it sounds like you can make a lot of money by selling your video content to the right audience. And we talk about how to do just that. Before we get started, I have one quick ask. When you're stopped at a light or taking a break, could you scroll down on whichever app you're using to listen to the build cycle and leave a quick rating and review? Awesome, thanks. And now, it's time to roll. Lights, camera, action. Welcome to The Build Cycle, the podcast by Tyler Benedict that explores the startup stories and growth tactics of hundreds of entrepreneurs, plus his own tips and tricks learned over two decades of launching, running, and growing businesses, including BikeRumor.com, the world's largest and most popular cycling tech blog. If you're thinking of starting your own business, The Build Cycle will give you the tools and inspiration to do it right. Now, let's dive into this episode of The Build Cycle. All right, PJ, you are the founder of Uscreen, which is a video platform that allows other people to create videos and use them to promote themselves, their product, their business, or or just entertain people. And I'm kind of curious, like, where did that idea come from? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here, Tyler. So Uscreen's a uh, video platform, video monetization platform. So if you're looking to make money from your videos, that's exactly what we do. You can launch a subscription service, a streaming service, sell them one-off sell online courses, anything that, you know, with your videos you want to make money, that's what exactly we do. So the idea actually came about because I was doing some research for a customer that was asking me for a way to sell their DVDs. And I couldn't find a very good solution out there. Like at the time, Vimeo had a very basic service on demand, they call it, they take a rev share, it's shared between everyone, you see all your competitors, you don't have access to your customers, it was very, very broken, very basic. Um, there were a lot of small individual creators on there, but if you're really a brand, you could just be one person with a brand and you wanna monetize content, there really is not really good stuff out there. Like Gumroads was out at the time, I started this in 2014. Um, so I started to look for some alternatives and I couldn't find anything that was decent so I came upon um, like a few broad competitors. One of them is called Pivot Share. They started in 2012. They have a few thousand customers. They take a 30% rev share. Pretty crazy. They have customers that pay them twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month. And I'll share with you a little bit later the customers and how much money they make. But uh, they switch to us now and they pay you know a tenth of that fee. Uh, we don't do any kind of rev share. Um, so that's how the idea came about. I wanted to provide a better service to and provide a solution to what was already existing out there in the market, which was honestly not very good. Yeah, because I mean, DVDs are dead, right? Like everybody's streaming everything now, it seems like. What, so how many channels does Uscreen host? How many customers do you have? So Uscreen has about 5,000 customers now, a little over 5,000. So we've grown significantly, like pretty much doubled each year for the last three years. Uh, and they're anywhere from 
uh, anyone from individual like you know small creators all the way to brands like Zumba, Wanderlust, Leadercast, um, like University of West Virginia, stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, 80% pretty individual small creators that have brands like one customer's the daily um, BJ. So his name's BJ and he has these workout videos, has an awesome following and he monetizes that. Another one is T Millie TV. T Millie's actually a YouTuber. Um, so he's one of the larger YouTubers on our side. Most of our customers actually have YouTube channels of a few thousand followers, to be honest, or subscribers on their YouTube. Uh, but T Millie has actually 2 million now. But long story short, and he's making a lot of money. He brought his YouTube videos over and um, brought them as tutorials to teach people how to dance on the videos that he dances in. And he makes a killing doing that. So it's all types of, you know, 60% of the content is educational. A good and 30% is fitness. So on top of that, it's like 80% is educational, 20% is films, indie films, entertainment, um, stuff like that. But remember, I count faith-based content and any kind of like Magic Stream is a really cool one, magicstream.com. Fully powered, set up by Uscreen. We do everything for you. So all you do is bring the videos. That whole site is powered by us. It looks like a Netflix site. They do really well, 30,000, 40,000 a month. And uh, they're teaching magic. But it's very entertainment-like. So I call that educational, even though it's like it's entertainment with uh, a touch of educational in there. Yeah. And now is all of that video hosted on your own servers and equipment? Yeah, absolutely. We do everything. We do the complete delivery CDN. We use Fastly and Akamai. And then we do the full storage. We give you security on the videos. We give you the player. We give you the complete website. It's set up like Shopify or WordPress, right? You come in, you install and pick your theme. You customize it. You can go into HTML. You could have a developer do all that fancy stuff if they want, manipulate JavaScript. I'm not getting technical with it. You don't have to be technical, but you could do a lot with it. And then, and we made it powerful for that because we want customers to come, start off with a basic theme, and then grow as they need. Um, with you know custom requirements so they can do that we're one of the few platforms that does that or one of the only platforms and then so we give you the website we give you the cms the content management system to control upload your programs organize them you can build chapters list you can look at user progress analytics where they're coming from what they viewed you can export your data you can fully user management the user can even go in they get their own profile update their own upload their own avatar you can have discussions they can change their own password and you obviously can control all that from the back end and reset their info and you can always export your users we give you full access to your users and all that good stuff as well so the whole what we say pretty much on our website is you bring the videos we do everything else and it's absolutely true you just need the video content yeah, and I think, I mean, I've long said, you know, when I started Bike Rumor that, man, if I had, like, created the platform instead of an actual blog, you know, created WordPress instead of a blog on WordPress, that would be a much bigger, better business. So for people that might want to create something similar, whether it's a, a blogging platform, video platform, or some platform type that we've not even thought of yet, like, what are... I mean, where do you even start? You know, I, I imagine you need some pretty good developers, but, like, what else went into that creation process to get to where you are yeah absolutely first thing you want to do is prove your concept right so you want to make sure uh, people are willing to pay for it and i always recommend the owner of the company the principal the person that's going to be in charge to do that because you want to hear it directly from like let's say the horse's mouth right you want your customers to tell you ah, oh, no i don't like it or i will like it and always when you're trying to initially prove your concept in my experience i'm kind of a salesperson um, or i like sales per se 
uh, customers tend to kind of give you an exaggerated response. I would love that. Oh, that sounds so cool. Because also, I'm also selling the idea. So you got to be careful of that. You want to get realistic advice. You don't want to get excited. And I'm blaming myself. I initially got a little too excited. Um, you know, so when you get excited, then you spend too much money too fast. And, you know, you build the wrong things. And you build specific features for everybody. So you want to prove your concept and make sure that, people are willing to pay for it and it's valid, you want to absolutely look at your competition. Is there competition? That's like number one thing. If there's no competition, that's a bad thing. Everyone right now has every single idea out there. Everyone knows how to do everything, especially around the Bay Area and incubators and 1776 down the street. We're located in DC. I mean, there's groups of people sitting in meetups, just throwing ideas around. So it's really the execution, right? How you get it up and going and all that stuff. Once you do that, you want to start building your team, probably hiring some contractors initially to do some web development and agency, but you want to know what the heck you want to build. It's the biggest mistake I made. I knew what I wanted to build, but I wanted everything. So, you know, I didn't follow the lean cycle. I did. I read the book, you know, really early on. But um, uh, initially what happened is we started, I was really suffering for customers initially. Like, it, 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 you know, I want, I'm, a, I'm a fast mover, like, you're a bike rider. I'm a bike rider. I love going fast. It's my favorite, you know, so um, I like to move fast. So I moved really quickly and wanted customers quickly and especially ones that were paying really well. One difference between my company now, Uscreen, and my previous company, web hosting, was web hosting. I was, you know, purchase, uh, customers were purchasing five, seven, eight, ten dollar accounts. Then I learned that I need to sell VPS dedicated servers and e-commerce and start charging 300, 500, seven, 800 dollars a month. But luckily in Uscreen, a lot of our customers pay 500, 800, 2,000, 3,000 dollars a month. So when initially those customers come and they're interested and you know they're willing to pay that much, you start to kind of build features for them. And you think other people can use them. So your product gets complicated really quickly. And that's definitely a mistake we made. Our product initially, after like one and a half years of development, was actually hard to use. It did a lot of stuff, but it was hard to use. And you'll see platforms out there. They're very customizable. They do a lot, but people have a really hard time using them. Majority don't want that complex of a solution. They want it customizable, but you got to build something that's for the majority, 80%. Can't please everybody. So luckily... Now that we built that, we literally see a formula consistently, a cycle of customers coming, wanting to monetize content that they, they're more successful. You know what's crazy is like we would have like, I won't name a specific customer, but it's a big customer. It could be like spinning.com. Like that's our customer. It wasn't them specifically, but I've said I wouldn't put names out there. It wasn't them. But, uh, you know, they'll come and they're established customers and they'll be like, hey, we want to do this and we want to do that. And we're like, oh, that's a great idea but they're not successful with it. You know, they've never sold videos before. So you want to kind of like push them in a certain direction very carefully, but you'll actually do that if you're really smart from the beginning. But we started to do it once we understood what the customers wanted and, you know, how they wanted to proceed and monetize. So it almost sounds like you were selling them on fewer features. Somebody came and said, well, we want to do this. And you if I'm hearing you right, you're like, well, hold, slow down, start with start with this and see if it works for you. And then they end up liking the simpler package better. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't put it like that. I would say initially we actually sold them like the Cadillac, you know, or the Rolls Royce and had everything. Um, but now when they come, we have more features now than we did before. There's no doubt there's more value in the platform. But we, when they want to do 10 things, like, okay, great example is monetization. 
People come and they're like, hey, we want to sell rentals, fixed price, uh, subscriptions, and we want to give away some free content. And you also have AVOD advertising. That, that's five monetization types. I mean, like, that's insane. So we're like, no, don't do that. Start with a subscription. You have 60 hours of content. You have six hours of content. Start with a subscription. That's your best bet. 80% of our customers run subscriptions. They don't have tons of content. They don't update it all the time. Start with that. Then do an upsell to a bundle or a Christmas package or something like that. And then they're more successful. So it's kind of like us kind of coaching them into not making it too complicated. Yeah. Well, I think the, the customer coming to that channel would get overwhelmed too. If there's like all these different options, it'd just be like paralysis from analysis and then they'd just go away. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to the storage, you, you said it's all hosted on your own servers. I mean, data storage just keeps getting cheaper, cheaper. So I imagine the real concern with your profitability must be bandwidth, right? Like, how do you, you said CDNs, which for people who don't know, it's content distribution networks, you know, it's servers all over the world that's kind of spread the load. But, you know, when I was looking at your your pricing structure, you mentioned some prices that aren't in the, the base list on your website. So I imagine there's some customization you guys do for bigger clients. But, you know, I can imagine very quickly some really popular channels eating up far more bandwidth than that five or six hundred dollar top level package that you offer in your site like how do you deal with that yeah that's a really good question remember in my background web hosting i'm very familiar with storage and bandwidth and that's actually one thing that didn't scare me right a lot of like actually team members employees in our team initially were very scared of our pricing they're like dude people are going to come and they're going to eat a lot of bandwidth and our pricing is wrong so um i wasn't scared of that because look in web hosting Bandwidth is oversold. Like, look at GoDaddy right now. They're like, we give you 100 terabytes. No, you don't. 100 terabytes, that's a lot of bandwidth. That's like, you need to have like a million viewers to your website each month. One million to, to eat 100 terabytes, maybe more. So, yes, video consumes a lot of bandwidth. But remember, this is video behind a paywall. Significant difference, right? YouTube eats a lot of bandwidth. This is video behind a paywall. Yeah, you could put a trailer, a free video, and all that stuff. They're usually short. That's free. But it's video behind a paywall. So on average, if a customer has two, 3,000 subscribers, and a lot of our customers do, like a lot, right? A few hundred at least, um, have a few thousand subscribers, they're generating twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a month. They're probably eating 200 300 bucks worth of bandwidth for us. You know, so because as our commits get larger, our cost goes down. So bandwidth is oversold, right? 80% of our customers don't even use a terabyte, but a good 10% will probably use the remainder of that and it kind of offsets our price. Now, with us, for example, we want to, you know, we're going to play with our pricing a little bit because we have customers that make a lot of money. Fifty, eighty thousand dollars a month, no exaggeration, but they pay us five hundred. That doesn't make any sense. But then we have entry level customers that make no money that are paying a hundred, two hundred dollars. They'll eventually start to make money or they'll shun, and we try and prevent that too and help them out and all that good stuff. But um, you know, so the pricing has to be modified because if you look at like Pivot Share, a competitor which has this had the same looking platform for you know almost six years, eight years, I really don't understand that but it's worked for them um but like we have 100 features they have like five um 
and they have one theme, every site looks the same, we get more customers from them than anyone else. And it's not so much on functionality, it's that they charge 30% rev share. So like a customer Calinetics came from them. Calinetics paid them eight grand a month, they pay us with all apps, full apps, they get apps on Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, Chromecast, iOS and Android, their own app in the App Store in their own developer account, with full platform access for 9.95 a month, almost a thousand bucks. So they, they paid only for the web version to them seven grand. If they got apps, they would have probably paid 10 because they pay, charge a lot more for apps. That's one-tenth the cost. So, you know, for the high-end customer, we're charging very little, and that has to be modified over time because they are eating the bandwidth. But long story short right now, uh, it, it's been working really well for our customers, and we want to help them succeed. Yeah. So what's the average number of subscribers per channel? Yeah, so the average customer makes about $3,800 a month. Okay. 3800 a month. And how quickly do they ramp to that? Because, you know, like I'm a pretty frugal person, so when I was looking at your pricing, I'm like, all right, man, if it's going to take me six months to really build an audience, if I'm starting something new, that's, you know, at the minimum level, that's like 1200 bucks out of my pocket before I start making money. Like that's that's kind of a big commitment for somebody that just wants to test the waters on this. It definitely has a cost but most of our customers that are successful have some type of email list or audience right so it's someone that wants to take it and actually like monetize like they're not just like fully 100 percent starting out but we do offer promotional pricing if you come to us and say hey i'm starting out can you help me out give me a longer trial period or a discount for a certain period of time we 100 percent do that yeah okay, and so, so how, we do that and how long does it take for somebody you know like Let's say they got a, a very small list, you know, maybe a couple hundred fans or a thousand fans. Like, how quick does it take to ramp up to, you know, making at least enough to cover the bandwidth costs or, you know, the subscription costs? The subscription fee. I would say within the first three to four months, they're definitely profitable. On average, the $3,800 takes about 11 months. Okay. So within a year, they're fully profitable. And remember, they're making a lot more over time. So it's an investment up front, but they're making more money up front. Especially if you have a large list and it doesn't have to be more than like a thousand or two or a few thousand, you know, you can monetize 1%. It changes quickly, you know, and you don't want to price your subscription or your bundle, your offer too low. You definitely want to charge, you know, like people are like, oh, Netflix, they charge 10 bucks. I don't have that much content. Obviously, I should charge a lot less. No, 10 bucks is like, that's like your normal average subscription. Charge 9.95. Like you'll make money with nine hundred. That's acceptable on a subscription basis, unless you have identical videos to genres to Netflix, and you're competing with Netflix, and you have no uh, differentiator, which I don't recommend at all. Then it won't work. But if you're fitness or any education content, do not underprice your content. You will you will make money. There's no doubt. Yeah, it's kind of like specialized content. You know, you've, you've got something that's more unique that you can't find in the general interest. So it's worth a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah, your content has value. I mean, you're basically telling people what you know. What is, I'm, I'm kind of jumping around. We, we're talking about doing this in kind of like two halves where we're going to talk about like what are some best practices, but I'm, I'm just going to th kind of jumble it all together. So people who are creating these videos, they're, they're, you said a good price is about $9.95 a month. Is How long are these videos? Like what are some best practices in terms of video length or production quality like somebody who wants to create a channel what do they need to know before they start throwing videos up there absolutely that's a good question yeah so one big 
um, misconception and, and like myth that customers have is they think they need a lot of content to have a subscription. It's absolutely wrong, right? What you do is you do micro learning. So that's one of the best practices, tips I can tell you, right? Micro learning, bite-sized learning. So you take basically two, three, six, ten hours of content and see we're different than your average course platform. You can set up a catalog with us. So you create a category, you put a program, and then in the program you can have chapters if you want. So in that case, you can create a nice catalog. Basically, three hours of content can look like a full-blown catalog. We have a catalog. You create a catalog. You have a catalog page. Customers come. They can filter by categories, sub-filtering. It's beautiful. So you then end up having a full catalog of content. So micro-learning helps a lot. Another feature we have is drip. Drip, basically, you drip content over time. It's ridiculously helpful. Because someone will buy a subscription, you give them one piece of video one day, the next video, the next day, the next week, and so on. So they'll stay two, three months because it's a 90-day challenge to stay and watch that content. So it's, it's coming and coming and coming. So that makes a big difference. So that's another good practice. As I said, a myth is, oh, I need a lot of content to do subscriptions. That's actually not true. You don't need that much content. You just need to organize it in a way where it seems like more. And you're not trying to like you know, mislead people. It's just the way it's organized so they can digest it properly rather than cramming 12 hours of content in one course, which is your average setup of course platforms on the internet. You work that hard and you have to create a course that's A to Z, forced content, and they consume it. And now you have to work another three, six months to push another course versus putting everything and creating a subscription service, which is what our customers do and they're very successful. What's do you guys track analytics as far as like uh, I don't know what you'd call it I guess drop off you know if somebody watches a video for X amount of time but you know like say there's a ten minute video do most people make it all the way through that ten minutes or have you noticed like there's a certain length of video that tends to work best? Yeah, that's a good question. It totally depends on niche. Like you can't really put that much. You can't categorize it that much. I would say on average, like short videos. Four to six minutes do really well. So definitely under six minutes. Four to six is a really good um, mix of content there and, and length. Uh, as far as number of videos, it's really hard to say. I would say it just depends on the genre. Um, consumption, they, we get pretty good engagement. I mean, if it's like e-learning, educational content, fitness and stuff, it has over 60% engagement. So it does really well. I, I absolutely tell customers not to do this. Like join and then upload everything. You know, like upload your complete library. You want to upload premium content, show value, because people will go on the other old stuff and they'll be like, oh, archives. You know, they don't like that stuff. So they, because they're paying a fee to get in. So you definitely want to be cautious of that. Yeah, well, and it seems like with the drip campaign style of doing it, you can kind of upload a complete course, but people can't necessarily view it all at once or they just kind of get like the daily or weekly reminders. So it feels like they're getting, you know, a longer value out of buying a subscription to that one course or whatever. Absolutely. So you guys on Uscreen's website, which is Uscreen TV, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes, you guys don't actually show anybody's videos. Like you'd have to know which channel you want to go to because that channel promoter has marketed themselves in some way. So like what what other kind of tools? Like is that the only option for people to view it is to go to that channel's own website and then if they're upgraded to the apps and everything – or can people take the videos that they upload and then also embed them wherever, like on another site if they want to? Yeah, you could do that, but most of the customers want a secure portal. 
where they're creating an umbrella for customers to come and gain that access. So they usually don't do that. And then Vimeo has like an embed feature and all that stuff or Wistia or uh, YouTube. So th they'll use videos like that if they want to embed it somewhere. If you want to create like a secure streaming service, you'll put everything under one roof, one catalog. And that's what um, Uscreen is for. But like finding our customers, we have an examples page on our website so you can go and see what some of the most successful ones are doing, we are thinking possibly to create a marketplace in the future where we promote the marketplace and get our customers some sales. So that's definitely something in the works now we're thinking of ways to do it. It's an extremely complicated process, um, but it's something we might think of in the future. Yeah, because I guess if everything's subscription, you can't just show other people's videos without charging them. So it's I guess it's a little bit tricky. But most people, do, do many of the channels have teasers or trailers or some short videos they use to promote what they're doing? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. People definitely give away free content. You can do that very easily. You just mark it as free, ungated content, and it's a, it's a teaser, and then the other videos have a lock. Very much like lynda.com, right, or skillshare.com. Like a lot of our platform is based on their successes and Netflix, you know, because they're very successful SVOD services and we've taken a lot of those best practices and put them in our platform. Um, and then as far as like setting up and stuff, it's actually very straightforward. So the whole setup process is very straightforward to get set up. We've, we've streamlined it as much as possible. You upload your content, build your programs, set your domain, connect your payment gateway, and you can you collect 100% of the fees. We don't take any rev share. Obviously Stripe takes their 2.9%. And then, um, after that, you'll just you know brand and, and set up your themes and go from there. So it's very straightforward setup. Yeah. Now you guys have the apps that you mentioned, where so, you know at a certain level of platform, somebody's paying you guys for, they get apps that'll let them show their channel on Apple TV or Roku and stuff like that. How did you get the relationships with Apple and Roku and stuff to make that work? <clears throat> Yeah, good point. So it's very easy to get a customer to create a developer account. It's, you know, I'm going to say easy as in like every, anyone can do it. But, um, and I'll come to the button in a second. So that's all they need to do. And then what we do is we take our platform, brand it for them and publish it. What's extremely difficult is doing it for many customers. And it's not that Apple's against it. They're all unique apps. The downside is managing various different platforms for all these customers. That's definitely a tough part of our platform, like competitor-wise. Look at this, Fire TV, right? Roku, Apple TV, iOS, Android, Chromecast. That's six, right? And then there's all your TV stuff too, uh, the TV platforms, which you know we'll add in the future, but you can also do it via the API. That's six platforms that we manage and publish for you. And we got our backend, our web platform, or our Rails platform, right? That's seven different platforms. That's crazy. So discussions could go to one. It doesn't go to the other. We don't have that issue. We simplify the process. But long story short, um, it's not easy to build on six different, seven different platforms. And that's probably one reason there's definitely competition within our, um, within our competitors. There's a lot of competition, but it's, it's not an easy platform to duplicate because of that. There's a lot of different platforms. So how big is your team? How many developers do you have on staff? Uh, I think our full team is about 17 people now. Uh, how many are developers? I think we have about six or seven developers now full-time. And then we obviously contract with a good amount of companies too. Uh, in, in, contractors, freelancers on Upwork, and we work remotely and all that good stuff. 
Huh. Okay. Yeah, it's. I, I would have thought you needed a lot more to be able to do what you're doing, especially with the apps and stuff. Because yeah, I've tried to get something onto uh, a, an Apple app before, and it was I. It, I got so lost, and there's just there was no way of knowing what was going on because Apple's so bad at actually like helping you in any way. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You're right. The dev process by Apple is extremely complicated. That's a really good point. So uh, we've mastered that luckily, but I'll, I will tell you, I think managing all these different platforms is probably one of the hardest things we've done. We've been able to streamline that workflow. It's, at some point, we really as a company were like, should we publish apps? Really, it, it was that bad. Uh, but it's probably the biggest value to our customers. Think about it, you go on your mobile browser, you gotta go to Safari, and then you know you have to in and out with your fingers, squeeze, find the right program, all that, versus having your own app on the app store, you know, the build cycle. You click that, you listen to all the podcasts, you swipe left and right. There's a lot of value there. It really is. Yeah, no, from a user interface from to the end customer of people's videos, I, yeah, it's huge, man. And especially, I guess the, the other one that you mentioned is maybe something you're working on with an API. Is like, so I've got a, a Vizio a smart TV at home. And is that, so like eventually will I be able to pull people's apps up on... On Vizio or Samsung or whatever? Easy. You can basically, if you want your own app on that, you basically, we recommend multiple developers for you. They connect to our API and build it for you. We manage six apps now. We'll probably add certain like Samsung TVs and stuff in the future. But overall, there's almost, it's less than 1% to 2% penetration on those, um, you know, on those devices. So, it, you know, most requested is definitely the ones I named for you. Yeah, just out of curiosity, what about like Xbox and PlayStation? Is there any demand for apps that run people's... Very apps? little, but you can get your own apps on there, absolutely. Okay. So how do you market Uscreen? How do you guys get customers? Yeah, that's a good question. So a lot of our customers come from organic, just content, SEO. We write really good content. We educate our customers. They come, we win their trust, they sign up, they're successful. So it's just as your education factor, it's content. It really is, probably most. Um, we do a little bit of paid stuff, a uh, little bit of trade shows, but I would say most is organic. Hmm, okay, and then word of mouth. That's that's good. That's like the best kind, and it's usually the cheapest too. Yeah, absolutely. So, how do you, or what do you guys do, if anything, to help your customers build an audience? Yeah, good good question. We absolutely help. We do an onboarding call. We tell you the best practices. It's probably one of the more useful things we do. And we tell you what our, how our customers are successful. And I'm actually usually the one that speaks to them. So I'm on the phone like half the day just speaking to customers. And I keep in touch with them as an account manager. Um, and then the other thing we do is we just have really good content. We push out content through drip and email marketing to our customers, educating them. That makes a big difference. Uh, we do plan to do other things in the future, helping them sell as well, especially on the feature level, different funnel tools and marketing tools to help them succeed. Yeah, so I'm going to grill you on what some of those are because I think a lot of entrepreneurs focus so much on just creating their product and making that good, especially first-time founders. But they don't really have a plan for what comes next. So once I've uploaded my first, you know, like say my first catalog or my first series, what should I do? Yeah, so good question. One is you want to price correctly. You want to organize and make sure everything looks good. It's number one, right? Second thing is how to broadcast it to your audience properly, right? Do you have an email list? Do you have an email newsletter system? Or are you, you know, are you going to make it look good? You're going to send it out to everybody. How often do you repeat that? How are you going to drive in sales? We go over a lot of that with them, like paid and funnels and stuff like that. And it really does help. 
Yeah. Do you guys integrate with like MailChimp or SurveyMonkey or any of those types of things to where anytime somebody puts a new video up or that drip campaign, it's time for the new video to go? Like, or do you just kind of let people figure that stuff out on their own? No, absolutely. We have a direct integration on all those platforms. We also work with Zapier. So you can directly work with Zapier if you want to go to like Constant Contact or something like that. So there's different um, apps that they connect to, we connect to, they're the middleman. Yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of webhooks on our side. We can send a lot of events to other systems, even Salesforce. You know, create user, delete user, subscriber, not subscriber, watch, didn't watch that stuff. Hmm, that's cool. All right, so let's say I want to make a bike rumor channel. Why not just put videos up to YouTube and run ads or try and get sponsorships or like set up Patreon or something where people can just donate what they want? Yeah, that's a good question. Absolutely. So um, one is YouTube's for free content. It shows you your competitors, you know, so it's just it's a basic. First of all, ad revenue is at the bottom of the funnel. It's the least way to make money. If you have, you know, uh, I think Nick Nimmin actually is a popular YouTuber did a video for us. He has 300,000 subscribers. He makes $1,800 a month. That's it. You know, and it's not easy to get 300,000 subscribers. He's like your top 5, 10%. So ad revenue is at the bottom. Now, if you monetize your YouTube subscription, still your competitors are being seen. You don't have access to your customers. They're just paying you a fee and that's it. Patreon is a very, very basic way to create, kind of take, it's almost like a protected Facebook group. Um, it, that's a, it's a very simple way to kind of take your audience and get them to pay you. Uh, but the key thing is we're a video service. So with Patreon, you can definitely put videos in there, but it's not organized. You don't have filtering. You don't get your apps. We're definitely the next level above that. If you want to come and build actually an audience and a streaming service and create a video business, that's what we are. If you want to just put your videos up in a back end and kind of like put a paywall up, there's many ways to do that. But to give someone an experience, which is probably the key way to marketing, right? You give someone an experience that is exactly what sells. Yeah, okay, and so one of the other benefits that YouTube has is the built-in SEO, especially since Google owns it. So how, how does somebody maximize search friendliness on Uscreen, or how do you guys help them to make sure that the videos are easily searchable and seen? And Yeah, identical. You can create every single video, you can create SEO settings for the same way YouTube does. So you can create your tags, description, title, uh, metadata, and um, put all that good stuff in so you make it video SEO friendly. What are, if you can share, like what are some of the most popular channels and what are, you kind of mentioned some of the more popular topics like education and, and, and fitness, which the fitness shouldn't be any surprise. Um, but yeah, what are some of the most popular channels that people can go check out to see what's done well? And then what are some of the most popular topics? Or maybe maybe a better question is what are, overcrowded topics and themes that probably aren't worth getting into? I don't know what I would say would be overcrowded, to be honest with you, because we have unbelievable niches that are making money, and I'll run through some of them. So I honestly will tell you, I don't know what the overcrowded ones are. No kidding. So like, let me just tell you the series of customers, right, that we have. Magic Stream is one, teaching you how to do magic. They, they generate lots of money. Team Ellie, dance tutorials. The star community, one person, Deborah Silverman, she does astrology. She's ridiculously profitable, right? DiveGoo.tv, it's scuba training. Squadia is IT training. Tazer Dog is dog training videos. We have a lot of that. We have a lot of IT training, lots of dog training, lots of fitness. There's actually a good amount of astrology. Another one is uh, Sunshine Terror, and she makes a lot of money. So basically, she does something simple. 
She has a YouTube following of like five, 8,000 followers. She puts a very basic teaser on YouTube and then she puts the hyperlink of the Uscreen video, her page on Uscreen, which is branded for her, on uh, the description. And she says in the video, hey, this is your astrology or sign for today, this is that, your zodiac, and if you wanna buy the full video and know this, then you know, click the link below and buy my video. And it's like 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Remember, don't underprice it. And that works really well. She gets very good sales. I think like you know, 15, 18, two grand a month. And I mean, she's very small. Uh, Torah Treasure, this is more of a niche audience for, um, it's like, uh, it's Jewish type entertainment content for kids. And then Thrive Real Estate is real estate training. Hoy is like lifestyle subscription type content, healthy living. It's not fitness. It's, you know, just kind of like lifestyle stuff. And then um, Horse T Academy, it's like horse riding, lots of fitness. You name it, lots of yoga. Uh, lots of workouts, niche type of fitness. It's the, the the niche, the fitness stuff is very niche. It's really cool. You got all types of golf variations of golf, yoga, mat steps. Uh, it's crazy. It's uh, it, there's multiple variations of like flavors of yoga that they're doing, healthy living and stuff like that. Um, stretching, stretching is actually very popular. And then like on the educational side, which all that was obviously somewhat educational or all educational as well, um, you have, you know, how to teaching you how to tattoo and then teaching you art. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of actually one of them. It's called Ink Workshops. Ink Workshops. It's really cool. It's this uh, Tony who I think he's possibly Japanese or Chinese. He's a. Uh, He's awesome. He creates you. He teaches you how to create these um, awesome tattoos. Like they're they're beautiful. And then um, La Sonata dance, Fader Pro. You got music and mixing and all that stuff. Um, lots of dance stuff actually. Lots of music instruments. Then you got on the entertainment side. You have a lot of niche indie stuff like films from Ghana, South Africa. Um, Togo and you know like indie stuff is like very popular it could be just from Brooklyn and stuff it could be um, like Quelly TV is a very popular one um, and it's just like niche African-American type content Peli Dom is from Dominican Republic is that just because um, you can't find that kind of content anywhere else like why do you think that super niche stuff is popular yeah, I think the reason it's probably so popular is because, first of all, Netflix is just a load of content. It's overload. But, yeah, it's hard to find that stuff. They basically are um, – they're basically – it's an easy way to access content. Think about it. Like, look, YouTube has a bunch of free tutorials. You could probably learn how to do dance tutorials and stuff on YouTube, really, like T. Millie stuff or like dance tutorials based on songs. That's what he does. He takes popular songs, teaches you the choreography for each one how they're doing it professionally in their videos. It's similar to that. He has different variations, but that's one. Long story short, you could probably literally go and look up Britney Spears and all that stuff and learn how to how they do those dances. But he takes all of that, puts them in one portal, easy to access. It's beautiful. It looks good. It's HD. You get consistent sound and video each time. It goes on all devices. Honestly, if I wanted to learn how to dance, no BS, I would pay 10 bucks to watch that stuff rather than spending hours and hours of kind of YouTube favorite this, do that, watch the competitor, get distracted. Yeah, you, so, were, you can get down a rabbit hole pretty quick on YouTube, but totally unrelated to what you went there for. Exactly. So uh, maybe just a couple of standouts for you, like some of the people that you think are doing the absolute best, what, what is it that the very best are doing that others are not? You know, is there one or two 
I don't even want, I don't want to call them tricks, but like, what are the standouts doing that you think others should be learning from? Yeah, absolutely. I would probably say number one is subscriptions. All right. Number two is not having too many offers. If you want to have subscriptions and then sell one or two or certain programs as uh, a fixed price, you can do that. All right. And then that's it. That's another tip. Uh, micro learning is another really good practice, whether it's for fitness or any kind of educational content. Um, and just, you know, not overcomplicating the process and uploading everything, making everything hard to find. Even though it's a really nice modular catalog setup, you definitely can do that very easily, like Netflix. You know, I see stuff based on suggestions that other people will probably never see. So unless I come through it, I don't even know it's there. Okay, so that's that's good tips from like a structure standpoint, but from like a video standpoint, the ones that are making really great videos, is there something special they're doing with their videos that seems to work better? Or like how much does production quality matter? I would say um, it does not have to be studio grade content. Absolutely it doesn't. A lot of the stuff starting out or still today is iPhone footage, but the audio is important. People don't like watching stuff with bad audio, right? You would know that as a podcaster so that that i think is annoying bad audio is definitely annoying for me at least i'm sensitive towards that but uh, i think other people are too so audio you want to make sure audio is clean i mean you can get a lapel mic for like i don't know how much they cost they're not more than a hundred dollars right i've got a great one that was 20 bucks on amazon <laughs> yeah so see it's 20 dollars. i thought it was like 80 or 100 dollars. so i bought mine a while back it's a little clip on one yeah you're right it was probably 20 30 bucks but like a lapel mic is great, right? And then iPhone does really well. People, I mean, like there's a lot of stuff actually on our blog that t shows you like to uh, shoot with like iPhone video and stuff. A tripod helps. Um, so no, it does not have to be studio grade. Definitely not. Yeah. Anything else from a video standpoint, what are some people doing with their videos that seems to kind of set them above the rest? Um, it looks good. It's consistent, right? And it gives good value. It gives good information. That definitely makes a difference. You want to, you know, provide some information. Yeah. What do you mean by consistent? Just like same kind of setup each time or just consistent, like a regular schedule? No, I wouldn't say regular schedule. A lot of our customers are not updating regularly, honestly. And that's probably not a good thing. I think they get comfortable, start making money, right? But, uh, consistency as in like, the sound and the quality of video are decent. They're not horrible. You know what I mean? Like the sound is good. You're using the same mic. Um, you're consistent in some ways, right? It looks the same. It feels the same. It's good information. Like it has a certain flow that you like. Um, I think that makes a difference. People like that. They like seeing a workflow of things. The same way you do your podcast, right? Yeah. You can kind of get, you, you sort of know what to expect. And then, you know, the, the content of the video might be what's surprising you. And But then because it's that consistent format, like that's why I kind of set the podcast up the way I did for this one is because like I wanted people to know when they'd get the information and, and how so that they could then really spend their mental energy concentrating on what that information was each time and not trying to figure out when things were going to happen. Yeah, that comes to you naturally over time. Seriously, like I wouldn't I don't think it's good and I wouldn't take the process like make it very complicated. I would just say create videos and like offer your advice and your expertise and put them up and give them to your audience and and they'll pay for it. They really will. Monetize content 4 years ago was like people were still buying it, but it was iffy. There was YouTube. Now it's like it's through the roof. So imagine where I'll be in a few years. So a couple of questions I like to ask everybody is, first of all, you know, if somebody wants to create a platform 
like what you've done, whether it's for video or anything else, like, you know, what are one or two key pieces of advice you'd give them on how to build this type of business? Yeah, absolutely. I would say um, start slow and verify your audience. I think that's number one, right? You want to find your target audience, right? You want to make sure they exist. They're willing to pay for it. And then um, who is the target audience? It took us a long time to figure that out. Seriously. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned that at the beginning of the episode. Like, so how did you find that audience? And then how did you vet them? How did you prove that some people would be willing to pay for this? Yeah, one of the ways we did that was um, we literally, I started to call people that have videos. And the easiest way to find them was people that had DVDs, right? Because they're just fitness DVDs, right? And it wasn't just because they had DVDs, because they had videos. So anyone that had videos would be great, even people that had a large subscription on YouTube. I hit them up and saw if they were willing to monetize it. And that definitely, that was great info. So you want to call them and ask them legit questions. If they're willing to use such a platform, will they be willing to pay for it? What would they like to see? And how did you prove that without something for them to actually pay you for yet? <laughs> I mean, just asking questions. Hey, we're coming on a platform. I'd love your advice. We, we're almost done building it. Like, would you use this? I'll give you a year free. We literally did. We gave people a year free of using the content. Yeah, that seems like a great way to do it because it's zero risk for them. And when they start making money, I'm sure they don't mind paying you a few hundred bucks a month to keep making a lot of money. What are one or two operational or management challenges that keep you up at night? Yeah, I would definitely say so. Like, look, most of our team is remote. So that definitely has challenges. When you're when you're ready to run, being remote is a challenge. And um, so managing a remote team is not easy. Communication is not easy. Um, you learn that over time. And then, you know, you tweak, you have more conversations, you're more organized, you have weekly calls, you do weekly iterations. And then the next thing that comes with that is just lack of culture. Everybody's separated. It's hard. Um, lack of communication. Um, what else keeps me up at night? Um, I would probably say uh, just in general, operations in a business is not easy. You have a lot, you know, we don't have luckily a lot of turnover. We have a good team, but, um, you know, there's certain issues with people or they're not doing their work or they're not pulling their weight or the market's not responding you need to fix something you spend a lot of money on stuff there's you know always something you know i i don't know i think people say definitely business does get easier within certain points but in some ways you know there's a lot of successful businessmen that say it doesn't get easier and i think there's always something that comes up and that's where that comes from but overall once your business starts moving forward um, and I actually heard this from Elon Musk. He says, I don't know a single business that doesn't have a period of time, especially at the beginning where it was just a pure struggle and like you were just hurting. And I think that's really true. You know, I would, I, I thought like coming from a genius like him, he would never say something like that, but he was like, every business has that issue. So I thought I would, that was very relieving. I was like, thank God we're not only in that position because yeah, it's, not, <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah, I swear to God, I, w I would have never said that. I didn't know everybody has that issue. I thought it was, you know, I knew a certain people do. But yeah, we definitely have had that issue. Yeah. So as far as the communication goes with your team, especially remote, like are there any tools or devices or software or anything that you guys do use or that you wish existed to solve that? Uh, yeah, we use Hubstaff. Okay, remote tracking tool. There's a lot of them out there. I think that's one that we just came upon. Um, and then Trello, I love. I think by far the one tool, 
that I would take to a deserted island. Like we were trying to cut SaaS costs. We spent a lot of money on SaaS tools. Um, and a lot of it is just infrastructure, like AWS and stuff like that. But uh, I would say Trello would be the one tool that I absolutely um, love the most. I would honestly take that tool with me everywhere. What, is it? what does that do? Uh, Trello is an organizational tool. Um, I don't know how many users they have now. Uh, but it's basically, it's based on the, it actually, it has a 1 billion users. Pretty crazy. No, no, no. I don't think it's that high. I read that wrong. Um, yeah, 1.1 million users. Um, so, yeah, 1 million paying users, something ridiculous like that. So Trello is basically an organizational board. There's this board and then you have lists and cards and you can move stuff around. I think it's my favorite tool ever. I think it's by far the most genius tool I've ever seen. I use it with everybody. We use it for our development board. What, what is it based on? It's based on a Kanban. Yeah, it's based on the Kanban logic. I think it, it was originally a Japanese invention from some engineer, so it's pretty cool. Is there anything that's kind of important to you know either your audience or the people who are creating videos that I didn't ask that's worth mentioning? Uh, no, I think we covered a good amount of stuff. I would say um, overall, if you definitely have videos, don't think that you can't monetize them. If you have videos and it's educational, by far you can monetize it. There's an audience for it. Um, check out our blog. It's uscreen.tv slash blog. We have a lot of good info there, a lot of stuff on like how to monetize your Instagram, IGTV, all that good stuff. Um, and reach out to me directly. It's PJ. So P as in Paul, J as in Jack at uscreen.tv. That's the letter U and then screen.tv. And um, I am happy to answer any questions uh, and, you know, offer some free advice, anything you need. You want a long trial period, you want uh, a free period for a certain period of time. I'm happy to give that to you so you get started and uh, try the platform. Reach out to me directly. I'll get you set up. Just let me know that you um, heard of me and, and the show on the build cycle. And Tyler, hopefully you and I can uh, one day uh, have a little bike ride together too. That'd be fun. Awesome, man. Well, PJ, yeah, we definitely need to ride. And thanks so much for your time. It was great hearing about how you started. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Tyler. always enjoy a great startup story and what I love about PJ's tale is that he did what so many of us think we need to do and that is build features for everyone so you can please everyone. In reality the exact opposite is more true. Build something specific for a target audience and make it simple and effective. Once Uscreen dialed back the opening features and made it easier for users to get up and running they really started growing. It also reduced a lot of headaches for them on the back end. This lesson can be applied to people making the videos too. I recently heard the phrase, niches lead to riches, which simply means if you produce really great content for a specific audience, you're going to be far more successful than if you're trying to create broad, general interest stuff that appeals to everyone. That's what I did with Bike Rumor, my cycling tech blog. When I first launched, I wanted to cover everything from racing news to industry news to advocacy, even sharing some of the great content that other sites were producing. Not only did that spread me way too thin and get me into some really hot water with a few competing editors, it also made the job a real chore. All I cared about was the products and tech. Once I narrowed the focus down to covering just that faster and better than anyone else, Bike Rumor blew up and I enjoyed it way more. As author Kevin Kelly says, you only need a thousand true fans. So focus your product, video, blog, podcast, 
service, or whatever you're doing, I'm meeting the needs of a smaller group and do that better or differently than anyone else. As always, thanks for listening. If you're not already following the Build Cycle on social, check it out. I post some fun, non-business stuff from my travels on there too. Here's hoping you're finding your niches and your riches. Until next time, keep building.